Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And we have a choice if we will read that book, and I'm referring to the Bible, if we will believe that book, and I'm referring to God's promises about what the end will look like, and if we will take appropriate precautions as it relates to what it is that is to happen and what it is that is to come as it relates to all things coming together in a perfect ending that only God can bring about. We have that choice today. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Unlike any other time, people are asking the question, is the end near? We have wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, pandemics, and persecution. In this series, Pastor Philip is going to dive deep into the topic of end times as we study the book of Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and many other biblical prophecies. What we will find in this series is that Christians should not be scared of the end, but recognize God is bringing all things to a perfect ending. Please enjoy the message. It's great to see all of you this morning. Um, and we are beginning a series today that's entitled Perfect Ending. And in this series, what we are going to be focusing on is biblical prophecy and what it is that the Bible has to say about maybe what's going on in our world today, how we can understand that, and even how we can understand what is yet to come. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever read this book or heard of this book, but there was a book that was written many years ago that was entitled The Wreck of the Titan. Now, what's interesting about The Wreck of the Titan is the details of this story. Um, it was a story of a ship, a cruise line. That, in essence, it was a sort of a cruise line. It was so long ago, it wasn't quite that. But it was a ship that set sail from Southampton, was crossing the Atlantic to go to New York. But along the way, it hit a iceberg. And it was there that, unfortunately, that ship would sink, and most of those who were on board would lose their lives. A rather sad story, especially for a ship that, as the story goes, was one of the largest to have ever been built, in fact. Actually, the largest to have ever been built. Now, you might recognize that story as a real-life example of the story of the Titanic. And, and the interesting thing is you read The Wreck of the Titan and then you become familiar with the story of the Titanic, there are indeed a lot of similarities. You know, for example, the Titan was 1,800 feet in length. The Titanic was 1,882 feet in length. They, the Titan displaced about 66,000 tons of water. The Titanic displaced about 70,000 tons of water. The Titan would reach speeds of 25 knots, as could the Titanic. The passenger count was about 3,000 for both, and they were both triple-screw ocean liners. Wow, there's a lot there in common. You might wonder, why in the world would somebody write a book entitled The Wreck of the Titan that was so similar to a real-life experience that the world had seemingly just gone through? Well, the interesting thing is, they didn't. The Wreck of the Titan, it was actually originally t entitled The Futilla, was written 14 years before the Titanic accident ever occurred. Wow. Now, people dismiss that and say, well, it was just coincidence. And others say, well, perhaps the author of that particular book had somehow had some premonition of what it was that was to happen. We don't really know, 
We just know there was a significant amount of detail in that book that transpired with the Titanic that set sail many years later. Now, I just want to ask you, if you were to have happened to have read this book, The Wreck of the Titan, and then you saw this ship, the Titanic, setting sail, you probably would have had some reservations about getting on that boat. (laughs) You probably would have had a few concerns, maybe some hesitancy about buying that particular ticket. You might not have even done it. You might have just waited until the next boat came along. (laughs) But many people still set sail, and as we all know, many people lost their lives on the boat, the Titanic. The reason I tell you that is because we too have a book that is available to us that speaks of many things that are to come. Many promises are made. Many seemingly dots are connected for how events will come, for, come together in our world. And we have a choice if we will read that book, and I'm referring to the Bible, if we will believe that book, and I'm referring to God's promises about what the end will look like, and if we will take appropriate precautions as it relates to what it is that is to happen and what it is that is to come as it relates to all things coming together in a perfect ending that only God can bring about. We have that choice today. And we just have to choose what we will do with it. Now, over the course of this week, next week, and then I've got another week or two of sermons that I'm going to be sharing with you as it relates to a perfect ending. We are going to get through some of the notes that I have available for you today, and then we're going to finish it up in a part two next week, and then we're going to talk about what happens when we die. We're just going to talk about, in general, the urgency that we need to have as it relates to the end and what it means for things to be coming to an end in our world and what exactly that looks like, literally and even figuratively speaking. And so today, we're going to try to understand what it is exactly that this means to have a perfect ending in God's sight. Well, the disciples were also concerned about this. And actually, in Matthew chapter 24, you have Jesus and them having left the temple. They've essentially just left worship. And then Jesus looks at them and he says that all of Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And not a stone will be left on top of another stone. That'd be like you hearing somebody say, after you leave church today, that this church is going to be torn down. It's going to be block by block by block, going to be absolutely obliterated and destroyed, and you won't even recognize it when it's done. That would be something that would probably unsettle you whenever you think about all of the implications of that. Well, it absolutely did that for the disciples. And this is their response. They said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? When will this happen? Well, we know from history, about 40 years after Jesus gave this prophecy, that the uh, general Titus from the Roman army would come into Jerusalem and he would do just that. He would tear down that temple and he would destroy the city as a response to the Jewish rebellion that had been taking place there. And then they wanted to know, what will the end be like? What will be a sign of your coming? 
Now, the reason that this question is important is because in our day and age, there can be a tendency of ours to not care about biblical prophecy. There can even be those of us that would say, and, there, and I, well, well-meaning people that would say, I just want to be a part of welcoming Jesus. I'm not going to be concerned about what all of that's going to look like, how all of that is going to come together. I, I don't want to be so heavenly-minded that I'm no earthly good, someone might say, or I just don't understand it all, so I'm just not going to worry about it. And, and I understand that, and I get that point of view, but that's why we gather together, and that's why somebody like me will stand in front of you and try to sort out some of these particular details. The disciples wanted to know what the end was going to be like. Some of you want to know, how are we supposed to sort out the events in our world? You're asking even some of those questions. What does the Bible have to say about all of this? Well, what's interesting is what Jesus didn't say. Jesus did not say there's no way that you can understand these events. He could have said that. Jesus did not say that there are more important matters to focus on. He could have said that, but he didn't. He, Jesus didn't say, don't worry, everything will just pan out in the end. He didn't say that either. Instead, Jesus gave a rather descriptive and robust response to them to help them, maybe more importantly at this point, to help us to understand what exactly that would look like when the end comes. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. And so you can imagine that people are in a very sensitive state, a very vulnerable state, a, a point at which somebody who may be just charismatic enough might be able to communicate well enough, perhaps is even a strong enough leader that they could have the audacity, probably even the level of mental illness, to say, I am the Messiah, and people would believe that. And Jesus is saying, no, no, don't get caught up in all that. I know the world's unsettled. I know there's wars and rumors of wars. And I know this person is a very charismatic individual. Don't get caught up in following them. Such things must happen, though, he still says, but the end is still to come. 
So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky. All very poetic language here. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And why will they mourn? Because so many of them didn't believe, and they have missed their opportunity to believe. But what do I share this with you? I share it with you because Jesus did not shut down their question. Okay, well, let me say it this way. Jesus told his disciples that they could not know the date of his return. It's not going to be known. Nobody is going to be able to adequately or accurately predict that exact day. But he never rebuked them for wanting to understand the events and signs surrounding his actual return. And that is why there is importance, and that is why from time to time we're going to circle back around to biblical prophecy and understand that these are promises that we can grab a hold of, that we can attach ourselves to, because in our world today... There are many things happening that cause us concern. You have Putin tightening his grip on Ukraine's army bases, as this particular news headline reads. You have a war there that is seemingly going to continue on and on and on. And who knows when or how it will ever resolve itself. And then you consider China. And you have them putting a significant amount of influence and perhaps even, I don't know, you, I don't, persecution is probably too strong of a word, but they definitely have their eyes set on Taiwan and they want to control the South China Sea. And so you have these events that are out there, they haven't quite had anything, they haven't quite crossed the line yet that we would say we need to respond to it, but it's all happening and we're wondering what does all of this mean? How is all of this going to come together? And then you still have Islamic terrorist groups that are out there. And you're just wondering, what is going on? What does God have to say about all of this? Now, am I saying that these things are indeed signs of the end of the times? That Jesus is definitively coming back right now? No, of course I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that these signs are getting more and more interesting. And more and more intriguing as our lives continue to play out as things pan out. What do I mean by that? Well, let me illustrate it this way. As you are driving into our city, the city of Denver, perhaps coming from Pueblo, as an example, you're going to see on that sign, and I don't know exactly what the mileage is, but you're going to see at some point a little sign that says Denver approximately 100 miles or so away. Approximately. And then as you get closer, what you'll see is those signs for Denver are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually you're going to see a really big sign that says Denver is right here. In a similar way, what the Bible teaches us that when it comes to Jesus' return, that there's going to be rumors and then there are going to be wars. 
And those signs are going to continue to get larger and larger and larger for us to that anticipated date of him actually returning. But what exactly does his return look like? And why does it matter? And where does Israel have to do with that? What do us, which we need to be referred to as Gentiles, have to do with that because we are non-Jewish people? How does all of that come together? What are the major prophetic events that we need to be sensitive to and aware of? Well, as we consider the sequence of major events, we need to understand that there's two main views when it comes to end times. And we're going to hone in on one particular view over these next several weeks. But the two views are this. you got the amillennial view and you have a premillennial view. An amillennial view takes generally every prophetic uh, device in the scriptures and basically says that they're all symbolic or most of them are meant to be figurative. Then you have a premillennial view that says these need to be mostly taken literally. So the amillennial view would say that Israel is the church today. Israel ceased to be Israel, that they are now the church. They are you and it's you and I. By faith, we are Israel. The premillennial view says that the church is the church and Israel is Israel, period. The promises for Israel are for Israel. The covenants that were made, whether it was the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, all of those promises are for Israel, not necessarily for us. And you can flesh that out, whether it's 144,000 or it's a thousand year reign, all of those things can either be figurative or they can be literal. So as we are looking at these major events, we're going to be looking at it from a vantage point that is premillennial in is premillennial in teaching. And that's just something that we have to understand. And what I would want to encourage you with is I know that we have a church that has both views present in it. And so whatever view you hold, just be gracious to the other people that hold a different view than you. That is very important in our church today. When it comes to matters like this, there still needs to be unity. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. So we're going to look at this from a premillennial view, and I'm going to talk you through these various 
uh, major prophetic events that are, going to, that are going to take place. And again, we're only going to get part of the way through this today. So the first particular event that we have to look at is the church age. And then there will be the rapture, and we need to understand that. And then there is a tribulation. And then from there, there is, a, there is Armageddon that will take place. And then the second coming of Christ. And there's a millennial reign. And then there's an eternity future and a white throne of judgment. All of that is going to be taking place. And we're going to di- dissect it and try to understand exactly what all of these particular prophetic events mean, not only for the world, but also for us and the implications of that on our lives. And so the first prophetic event that we need to understand is what's known as the church age. The church age is now. The church age is essentially everything that has happened since the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles as they were in an upper room in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And from that day forward, the church essentially was launched out, and that represents you and that represents I. But why is there a church age? Well, the reason that there's a church age is because Israel has rejected the Messiah, And in light of them rejecting the Messiah, now became a time in which the gospel message gets to go throughout the entire world, and God's focus is now on all of the nations and the Gentiles and those that are non-Jewish in the world. So what you have to understand is that, biblically speaking, everything from a premillennial view begins and ends with Israel. That's very important. It all begins and ends with Israel because Israel gets the Abrahamic covenant, which we'll explain in them, which we'll, we will get to explaining. So because of that, those Israelites were meant to go out into the world, display to the world the life that they were, that the world was meant to live. They were meant to reach people and to tell the world about this relationship that God wanted to have with them. And that ultimately there was a Messiah who was coming and that through faith in that Messiah, a relationship could happen. But They didn't do that. And then finally, when the Messiah came, they rejected him. I don't know if you play chess much, but in a a more official game of chess, you're playing, and then you make your move, and then you hit the clock, and the clock stops for you, and then for the other person, it starts. That's in one way to understand what happened with Israel. They came, Christ came, they, they made their move. And their move was to reject Christ. And at that particular point, bam, their clock stopped. And then the Gentile clock started. And in this church age, what is happening is the gospel message is going out through the entire world and God is going to deal with Israel later. Imagine it like this. And Jesus tells a story very similar in Matthew chapter 22. Imagine that your child, your son, your grandson has a birthday party and you want to make it the most memorable birthday party that he has ever had. So you go all out. You order a four-tier cake. You get a professional DJ to come in. You have inflatables. You order all types of hors d'oeuvres. You have servers who are there. You have a professional athlete showing up to sign autographs and take pictures. You go all in on this party. And it's for your family. The people who literally have your blood in their veins. And you send out those invitations. 
And then one after one after one after one, about a day or two before the party, they write back. They text, they call, they email, and they offer you one flimsy excuse after another flimsy excuse for why they can't come to your party. And this is family. Like you all come from the same, essentially that, that same parent. And they say they don't want to come. They don't have time for your son. Well, you don't want to disappoint your son, so what do you do? Or you're like, well, we're still having a party, and these contracts have already been signed, and these people are still showing up, and they're expecting to get paid, so we're going we're gonna to make sure that this ends up being a fun party. So what do you do? You go, you, you reach out to your neighbors, you reach out to friends from school, you reach out to, you know, acquaintances, and then you tell them, hey, if you got somebody who could have fun at this party, you just tell them, it's my son's party, we're going to come and celebrate, we want to make this as, as memorable as we possibly can. We want this party to be a blessing to as many people as we possibly can. You invite whoever you want to invite, we want this to be as big as it possibly can be. And they come, and they celebrate, and they enjoy, and they're grateful, and they're thankful, and they, they, they aren't family. That's the church age. And that's essentially what Jesus described in Matthew chapter 22. The family members. Those with the blood in their veins. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.